0: Coming up on the Travis Makes Friends podcast. What you cover will be uncovered eventually.
1: My wife threatened to leave me because I was being such a jerk. Like I was blaming her for why my life was not living up to what I had hoped it to be. It's not me. It's you. You make me miserable is what I said. I was blaming her Mm -hmm. instead of looking at me. If those same things, those same patterns keep coming up, then there's something that you have to look at within you and how you need to improve. Where is this fear coming from? Mm-hmm. Where are these negative thoughts coming from? Where is my hopelessness coming from? We fill the hole in our soul. So we fill that separation with cheap substitutes to make us feel better, but it's temporary relief, but it doesn't provide restoration. So we spend billions of dollars as a species to avoid pain, whether it's painkillers, whether it's drugs and alcohol, whatever it may be, we spend billions of dollars to avoid pain because we're trying to cover it with the wrong things. You gotta expose the wound so it could be healed. And I believe that God literally loves us too much to not let us go through life with cheap substitutes that he makes us actually feel the pain yeah. because in the feeling of the pain is how change and transformation happens. So he rips off that band-aid and says, okay, it's time for you to heal. Yeah. And it comes up in many different cases in, in lives. We often think that our brain needs fixing but as I said earlier, our mind and soul need healing.
0: Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Dierdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm making friends with John Gordon. John and I actually had our first conversation on the podcast back when it was called Build Your Network, probably four or five years ago. It was a while back for one of his for one of his book releases. And uh it was it was a pretty good conversation. We we had a you know a natural kind of rapport. And then there was a couple of years where we just didn't have any communication or anything like that. And then a couple of years back, I was at this business event. And lo and behold, here comes John walking around the corner. We reconnect a little bit and uh, And then since then, we've really been trying to get something back on the calendar to have another conversation, because um, John is one of those guys who, whenever he whenever I have met somebody else whom I respect, they respect John. And there's not many people that I can say that about. Um, he's somebody who seemingly lives the the message that he teaches. He practices what he preaches, so to speak. He's written dozens of books. He's sold millions of copies of his books. He's worked with professional sports teams like the LA Dodgers, the Miami Heat. He's done coaching one-on-one for Fortune 500 CEOs and executives, plus professional athletes all over the country. Um, And Anytime I'm with him, he's somebody who really just fills me full of energy. Um, His wife is such a sweetheart. She actually was at this interview, and my mom came over to watch my kids during the interview while I was interviewing John. And uh, his wife, Catherine, just was downstairs hanging out with uh, with Nana and the grandkids the whole time during the interview, and they had a really great time together as well. So um, John and Catherine are a very sweet couple. They've been here in my home studio, um, and we just had a really great conversation. And this is one that we got really deep. We talked a lot about uh, some emotional things, as you heard um, just a second ago. So um, I think there's some uh, some gems that you're going to grab from this, and I look forward to my next conversation with John. But in the meantime, enjoy this one. Uh, with John Gordon. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Travis Makes Friends podcast. Today, I am making friends with John Gordon. John, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, great to be with you. And you know, it's great to be friends.
0: Yeah. Hey, you know what? It's official. We're officially friends now. Um, You know what's interesting, John, is that we actually had a conversation on my podcast, Build Your Network, which is this show. This is just like kind of the rebranded newer version of it. Coming up on, uh, I think we released episode 898 this week, wow, if I'm not okay. mistaken, and I think you were episode like 111 or something like that, like five, six years ago uh, when you were promoting one of your books, and um, and then we kind of lost touch for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden I'm at this event, um, I think it was in Miami or Tampa or something with the 100 million... Uh, mastermind and then uh see familiar face walking around, you know, reconnect at that point. And it's like, oh, it's been too long since we had a conversation. So now here we are in Las Vegas. You here just for some podcast interviews? Here for some podcast interviews, going to
1: Colorado and then Los Angeles. So yeah, just just uh seeing some friends and making new friends. Little little mini tour. Yeah. Um but home for you now is in Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Uh, Vidra Beach. Why Jacksonville? So we were living in Atlanta, and my wife had our kids. I'm like 29, 30 years old, and she wants to move to the beach. So I'm looking for places that we can move to. San Diego, Tampa, and someone said, check out Jacksonville. It was five hours away from Atlanta, so close enough to drive. So we drove down, and we were looking to you know, buy a house. So we're driving around, and this guy's showing us all these expensive houses that we could not afford, because yeah. we're in Ponte Vedra, and these are beautiful homes. He took us to to the most expensive area. Yeah, We were going to leave, but as we're driving away and heading heading back to Atlanta, thinking, ah, there's no way we can live here, my wife said, let's get something to eat. So we turned really quickly into a shopping center where there was a restaurant. Next to the restaurant was a real estate office. Hmm. We walked in. We said, hey, we can't afford anything around here, but do you have things for rent around here? What do you mean you can't afford something, she said. We told her our range. And she said, let me show you a house. First house she showed us, we put an offer down. Wow. Drove home, put our house up for sale, (laughs) and then literally moved down. Like sold it, moved down. It all worked out like amazingly. How long ago was that? This was in 2001. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was- This this was like a life decision. Oh, I was like 29, 30 years old. Yeah. I was working for a dot com at the time. Okay. Trying to make my gazillions. I had a hundred thousand shares. Thought I was gonna make it rich. Oh yeah. And I moved down and everything starts to fall apart with the Sweet. company. Right after the new everything was Mortgage, crashing. mortgage <laughs> wife, kids, 30 years old, and I am just crumbling from yeah. the inside out. But moving to Jacksonville was definitely the best decision we ever made because that's where I wrote all my books. Mm. I really believe it was a, a a fateful thing, like God was saying, like you're not leaving. You're supposed to be here, because I'm telling you, we were driving at the last minute. We turned right in. If yeah. we keep going, and we don't turn back, I don't know what my life is like. It's a sure. completely different life by turning into that shopping center.
0: Well, because especially because it, it was it was also just confirming a belief that you had. If you would have kept driving, you wouldn't you would have thought like, oh, we checked Jacksonville. And we decided that based on the evidence, we could not afford to be there Right. when it actually ended up being- When there. a real are, estate are you, agent was
1: showing us the wrong places. Yeah, exactly. And,
0: and now, thankfully, we moved to an area where the houses we couldn't afford. That's where we live now, nice. years later. Also probably made a pretty penny on the first house. I mean, I decent, amount, yeah. decent amount, decent <laughs> but, amount.
1: But it was it, the market still hadn't taken off yet. But mm. now, Jacksonville, it, Ponte Vedra is crazy. Everyone's moving there from- California and New and York, New York yeah. and everything. And it's, it's been, it's been fun to watch like, and my let just moved down to that area. So did he? Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. Lisa Turkers
0: like part time or. No, it's where his house is. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Tim Tebow is there. I mean, it's just a really, really cool
0: area. Did so. Ed keep
1: his house in Maguna? I can't really talk about.
0: Uh, oh, okay. You know, but, All right. All right. Shh. Um, no, I, I, uh, I am the same way we're we're kind of like looking right now for different places to live like we so we're in vegas obviously right um and vegas, we baby. like it here you know it's uh it's just like my kids are starting to get you just met them downstairs the my son's four my daughter's three, you know we're just now getting almost to school age and uh it's it's weird it's weird. Having to plan your life around what your kids need more than what you need, you know, because like it was never even something that I thought about, like, well, what is the education system? Like we moved to Vegas. It wasn't even a thought in my brain to be like, well, we got to check the schools and the education system in the area and make sure, you know, Uh, but now it's something you got to think about.
1: So when we were in Atlanta, that was our decision process. Okay, this is where we live. If we stay in this area, we will have to send our kids to private school because the area we're in, the schools were not great. So we said, okay, we have to do private school or we have to move 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from downtown Atlanta, Alpharetta, Roswell, something like that. And we said, you know, if we move there, we can be in any suburb in America. Hmm. Where we really want to live. I grew up at the beach. My wife grew up at the beach, Virginia beach. I grew up in Long Island, New York. Okay. So we both thought, okay, the beach would be great. Let's move to somewhere where there's a beach. Then we said, okay, school system. That's very important, as, as you're finding out. Mm-hmm. St. John's County in Florida, where we moved, is the best school system in Florida. Oh, really, yes, wow. Yes, great public schools. Wow. My kids graduated from public schools. So I'm a huge fan of Ponte a huge fan of, of Florida in you're general. You're preaching at me right now. Yeah, man. I am, but that's why so many we people are moving there. Oh, you gotta check it out. Great place to raise a family. It's, it's the Connecticut of Florida. I tell the people all that. It really is. It's the Connecticut of Florida. And it's not like South Florida, like Miami is a whole different I would world. I to say
0: this is like, Jacksonville's like really Northeast. Northeast, Florida, so right? you're
1: below Georgia. Yeah. Just North of Daytona. Okay. North of St. Augustine, which is another beautiful city. Yeah. And I just met another guy who, who moved there and, and fascinating guy, amazing, successful business, capitalizes real estate deals, like okay. major, major real estate deals, has partners where he gives $100 million to to actually do deals. He's living in that area now. I'm like going, wow. All of a sudden Jacksonville is a little different kind of place because Jacksonville <laughs> yeah. Jacksonville when I moved there I was like, you know, you were in South Georgia. Right, right, you know, right. Our favorite song was Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama. Because Al- Leonard Florida, Skinner yeah. Leonard Skinner uh grew up in Jacksonville. Okay. And they gotcha. were pl- they were playing in the in the in the uh, bars in that area when they were growing up. So that's why it's a it's a favorite song to Jacksonville. But, right, right. And that I was at the stadium the other night for the Jaguars game. Yeah. Who are well, doing really well. Doing really well. Uncharacteristically. <laughs> right, well, Doug Peterson's been incredible bringing new energy to the team. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Who I've worked with, you know, Clemson. You know, spoke I spoke to Clemson a number of years.
0: Were covers up. Yeah,
1: it was, it was, I hated being at the game and then watching him go through that. Known him ever since he was a freshman at Clemson. So, wow, rude for him. Spoke to the team the other night, I did their chapel service actually, mm. uh, to the team before the Titans game. And so I got a chance to you know, see a lot of the guys interact with them. But being at the stadium, I was blown away because stadium is, is blowing up. The area they're developing—they're putting a Four Seasons in. Shot is developing really? downtown. Wow! They've got a Four Seasons going in at the beach now. Actually, that's going to be a complement to the downtown location. Hey,
0: Four Seasons does not go to places that are not growing with influential people.
1: Come—I
0: sound like the Convention and Visitors Bureau—but come
1: yeah. to <laughs> Jacksonville <Yeah. laughs> and play pickleball with me and Tim Zevo and Ed Milet and it's a great time. We actually played uh, not too long ago. Oh, really? Yeah, pickleball. So me, yeah. Tim, Ed, Pete Vargas, and we were battling pickleball. It was a lot of fun nice yeah That's when you, you, you hit that shot at tim and he just looks at you and then you look at him and you're just like come on yeah. bring
0: it up <laughs> do something let's go be? <laughs> oh no no i don't say do something but <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah he's uh he's uh still a, a very much a physical force oh an incredible yeah. athlete too oh, i mean yeah.
1: obviously but incredible athlete not just as a football player but then you actually on a pickleball court you can see the athleticism yeah
0: well when you take a real athlete like that you can transplant them to anything and they're just going to be Instantly better than you, totally <laughs> you know? right. Well, I could take him and pickleball, but,
1: <laughs> but but he is definitely a great athlete. Now, David Pollock, for instance, David Pollock on ESPN Game Day, he was down speaking or something. I saw him on the beach actually, and we winded up literally a few hours later playing pickleball as a, co- as a really? competition because I was challenging him on Twitter, and so nice. we started playing. And he's about six four, incredible athlete and ambidextrous. Oh, So man. every time wow. I every time That's I went advantage. to his backhand, he would just switch hands and hit a forehand. Oof. It was like playing two guys. Yeah, right. And I was like, okay, I'm a division one athlete. This guy's a pro athlete. I saw yeah. the difference in athleticism <laughs> playing him because not only is he big, but two hands hitting both forehands. I was like, this is unbelievable. I don't usually lose in singles, but I, but I lost. To him.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some, you know, and if you're going to, if you're going to lose some, it may as well be to people like that. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. <laughs> you can't really, yeah. can't really be upset about yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So you you mentioned something uh, earlier uh, that I want to that I want to kind of press on a little bit more. So you were you thought you were taken care of, in the dot com company moved into a new house, moved the family over. You got young kids at this point. Yes. You're 30. You got a couple young kids. You're like
1: one and three at the time.
0: Yep. Okay. So, uh, then obviously that was not the ticket for you. Yeah. What was
1: the ticket was. Sometimes you have to lose a goal to find your destiny because I thought I was gonna make it rich with that. I also ran for city council when I was 26 years old in Atlanta, went door to door to 7,000 houses. So I thought politics was going to be my thing, but it turned out that that was not meant to be as well. Went to law school for a year and a half and dropped out and realized that's not for me. So I tell young people all the time, like I had a lot of these failures. And at the time, if you're looking at my life, you're thinking- this guy's a failure. This guy's not living up to his potential. This guy was went to an Ivy League school, Cornell University. And I'm supposed to have all the success. All my friends went to work on Wall Street. They're making mm-hmm. all this money. And I had like little success here, little success there. Opened up some restaurants in Atlanta that was successful, the Park Bench. Okay, had some success there. Started a nonprofit. But then I also had these other failures along the way. And then at 31, losing my job from the dot-com crash, Man, almost bankrupt, like crumbling, and I'm looking at my life and I feel like such a failure and I feel like such a, such a, uh, just a disappointment. Yeah, because, imposter. Yeah, how am I gonna support my family? How am I gonna support my wife and kids? And again, my identity was always about like trying to create the success and make a lot of money. And my wife threatened to leave me because I was being such a jerk. Like I was blaming her for why my life was not living up to what I had hoped it to be, hmm. for why I was not fulfilling my potential. So I was blaming her, like, oh, I have you, I have the kids, and I have to worry about you all the time. I can't go after my dream. So she threatened to leave. And in that moment, I begged her to stay, and I agreed to change. And that began this journey of, of transformation mm-hmm. in my life. And one of the big things that happened was I said, what am I born to do? Why am I here? And it was more like me on my knees going, God, what am I born to do? Like, what a crying out, like yeah. picture a guy, like just like at his wits end, yeah, desperate on his knees, having a midlife crisis at the age of 30, 31. Mm-hmm. What am I born to do? Why am I here? And writing and speaking came to me in that moment. Hmm. Interesting. And I, and I realized I was so miserable because I was focused on me, my own success. And I remember thinking that I go, you know what? I want to make my life about encouraging others. I want to. Encourage people the way that I want to be encouraged. I want to serve others. I don't know why, but that's what I was saying out loud and to myself. And I thought about the times when I was happiest. And it was when I ran this Phoenix organization that raised money and volunteered for youth focused charities. And I started this nonprofit while I had this bar in Buckhead. So my 24, 25 year old young guy at this bar that's happening in Buckhead, Mm -hmm. meeting all these young professionals, and I'm getting them involved in this nonprofit that's getting involved in in youth-focused charities and raising money and making a difference. And I had monthly meetings and I would speak at these monthly meetings. Mm -hmm. It was like a mastermind back in the day before they were masterminds where no one was paying them. But it was just this really cool community Mm -hmm. and I was creating community. So I love that. I thought, you know what? I need to do that as a profession. What is that? And writing and speaking just kept coming to me in terms of encouraging others. And I said, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. And literally that one decision changed the course of my life. So when you had that
0: conversation with your wife, when she's kind of telling you like, you know, stop blaming me. Yeah. And to the degree where you've been doing this enough, I'm actually going to leave you. If you keep saying stuff like this to me, Um, there's two types of people in that moment. Yeah. There's the person that, that does what you did and, and corrects themselves. Then there's the person whose ego is so inflated that they are not willing to see or accept that that is a viable scenario, that they're actually wrong and that it's actually on them and it's actually not their circumstances and all of the you know shortcomings or quote-unquote failures that happen up to that point is somehow related to my inability to perform, my uh, my expertise not being good enough, maybe my discipline. There's something that it's, it's on me, ultimately. It's not on anybody else. There's two people, the people who admit that it's on them and who decide to change and fix things and, and get a better head on their shoulders, move in a different direction. And the people who just won't admit that. And then they end up divorced, uh, you know, within six months, their family's a wreck. And then they head down a, a path of, um, you know, despair, ultimately uh, the, 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 the path of chaos or they um, get remarried. And repeat the repeat same the same cycle, yeah, because they blame it on the woman yeah. and they, or blame it on their spouse or whichever party they are, and then realize, you know, in twelve years from now, like, oh, it's all the same stuff. <laughs> it's just a different person <laughs> that I'm doing it to now. Um, so, why, I guess my question is, why were you this guy and not this guy? One that's a brilliant
1: observation, recognizing that in that moment you can be one or the other, and you can actually change or not change. Why? Because you have to be willing to change. Like I always tell people, like if you want to change in your life, you first have to start with being willing and to look at yourself and realize, how can I be better? How can I improve? How can I grow? One, it was because, honestly, I was forced to look at myself because she was really ready to leave in that moment. So I had to look at myself. Yeah. But I also realized I didn't like myself and who I had become. Why? Because there's a, a nature within your soul, as I wrote about in The One Truth. You either, come, you either become one or separate. Like, do you feel oneness and connection? Or do you feel separate and divided? Mm-hmm. And narcissists actually feel separate. And because they feel separate, they focus on, they focus on themselves. They don't care about others because mm-hmm. they're so focused on their own survival. When you know that you're one and connected to others, then you care about others. Then you see others in yourself. You see yourself in them. There's a term namaste, which means the spirit in me recognizes the spirit in you. So you actually recognize others in that oneness and connection. But the more separate and divided you feel from others, then it's about yourself, your survival, focusing on your own needs. Mm -hmm. And you don't care about others. So because a narcissist feels that way, they're not willing to look at themselves because it would actually almost cause their identity to self-destruct. Their brain would literally is not capable. There's actually a neurological separation of a narcissist's brain where actually one part of the brain cuts off other parts of the brain as a survival mechanism. Wow. Think about it. We, can you overcome that? You can, you can create connection, you can create healing, but a narcissist has to want to heal and recognize that healing is necessary. And what they're doing now with, with, with psychedelics and so forth, they're actually experimenting and doing things with, with severe cases of PTSD mm-hmm. and military folks because they've had a break psychologically. See, the whole point of oneness and separateness is if you look at all mental health disorders, they all report feelings of isolation and disconnection mm. and feeling separate. Yeah. The more you move from oneness to separate, you move from positive to negative. So the more separate you feel, the more negative you feel. And so actually narcissists also suffer from depression. Mm. They also suffer from most mental health disorders that, that people with other mental health disorders have. And when I studied that and found that, I'm like, that's it. Because I was looking at oneness and separateness And that was my theory. And as I went into it and looked at it, I'm like, yes, of course they suffer from all those issues as well because they feel separate. So it actually Mm -hmm. supported my claim. And then they have a neurological separation as well. So if you can get the brain to rewire, if you can get the brain to to light up other parts of the brain, if you can heal the mind and the soul, and ultimately that's what it's about. Can you heal the wound that you have? We all have a wound. And as you heal the wound, what is a wound? But separation. It's a division, it's a separation. If you heal the wound, and in that healing, that's where, that's where you grow, it's where you start to flourish, it's where you find renewal, yeah. and you find transformation. That happens from that feeling of oneness and connection. So, so for me, I was feeling separate clearly. I was, oh, The root for the Greek word of anxious means to separate and divide. Hmm. I was anxious like no other. Yeah. Tons of anxiety, tons of fear, tons of worry tons of doubt, because I was tuning into all of those negative thoughts and negative emotions. And what do negative thoughts do? They separate and divide. What does fear do? Divides and separates. So I was divided. So what happened was, as she gave me that ultimatum, I moved towards oneness and moved towards connection. And one of the things I did was, I read that you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. Because my first act was to study positive psychology. Hmm. Saying, how can I be more positive? Mm-hmm. So I was doing some research. It was doing the emerging field. So. This is like really new. We had a few studies out by Martin Seligman and a few others. It was a really new pioneering kind of science. Yeah. So I start practicing the ideas that I'm reading about and one was gratitude. So I began taking a walk of gratitude. Here we are now 20 years later and everyone said, oh, we got to practice gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. But back then it was just beginning. So it sounds woo-woo back then. Yeah. So I take this walk of gratitude every day and I start saying what I'm thankful for. And doing that day in and day out began to transform me. And that is the key. You said, can you heal that? Yes. The more you become one and feel connected in that oneness and connection, the spirit, the mind and the soul, like again, mind, soul, spirit, you got this brain, there's mind, soul, and spirit. Mind, soul, and spirit starts to actually heal the brain and rewire the brain. So we often think that the brain creates the mind, the mind creates the brain, and they're two separate things.
0: Yeah, that's wild how how plastic the brain is, you know, like how moldable it is if you're intentional about it.
1: And people are so focused today though on the brain, but the brain is just the hardware. Mm. The brain is just an antenna. It's where the activation happens. We are ignoring the soul and the mind and how that actually governs the brain and how it runs the brain. And so like the brain actually has 86 billion neurons. Every neuron has a transmitter and receiver on those neurons. So you're either transmitting a positive frequency Mm. or a negative frequency. And everything comes down to both, you know, positive or negative frequencies in this world. Yeah. Positive and negative in this in this
0: life, right? Order or chaos.
1: Yeah, Yeah, order or chaos. Love, hate. Mm -hmm. This dual the duality. Mm -hmm. It's wired into us the choice between positive and negative, good versus evil. Black Panther, good versus evil. Star Wars, good versus evil. Mm -hmm. Superman, good versus evil. Yeah. Everything is ultimately Lord of the Rings, good versus evil that's the battle that we're facing on a daily basis. So understanding that is, I think, I think it's crucial and important to one, our own growth, our healing, but also to see how you interact with the world and how the brain actually works and how when you, when you heal the mind and
0: soul, and by the way, psyche means soul. Mm. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all, it's to match If you need higher, you need indeed. So, psyche means soul. So, yeah. what was psychology supposed to be about? More of the study of the soul than the brain. So, I, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure I, I touched on that because yeah. I, I, sometimes when you are, you know, having this, a similar conversation with a lot of people, like yeah. I'm sure you do, um, you get interviewed a lot, there are certain things that people just kind of gloss over. Right. And I'm like, whoa, 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 back up, back up, back up. Yeah. What prevented you from not just giving your wife a big middle finger and being like, hey, you know, who are you to say that to me? Well, we, that's how you feel. Then go ahead and take off, leave. Then you know, and you didn't do that. Well, I, like, I, did, a, I did like in a, a previous conversation. Point. Well, sure, I'm sure, I, yeah. I'm sure there were several of those conversations, conversations leading <laughs> up to that conversation. I was like,
1: I was like, it's not me, it's you. Yeah, you make me miserable. Is what I said. I was yeah. blaming her mm-hmm. instead of looking at me. Mm-hmm. So it's many easier to do yeah, that, and so many guys. Again, I, I you know, I can always speak to the guys I know on the journey of my life. So many guys I know were unwilling to change. Yeah. And they did the exact thing that you talked about earlier where they said, I'm not changing. And you see the same patterns being repeated until you're 50 years old and now you're going to therapy. And yeah. then you
0: recognize- You're going to therapy with your
1: third wife. Right. Yeah. And you could have done it all along and stopped the pattern and created the healing. Marriage is a great opportunity for, for, for healing. Mm. You come into your relationship two people with wounds and your imperfections. And I think it's the greatest opportunity for two people to come together with their wounds and actually heal those wounds. But it takes work and it takes the willingness to look at yourself. And I don't know why. Because like, in the past I was like, it's not me, it's you. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, for some reason, I think I felt the gravity of the situation that I was going to lose her. Yeah. There was a spirit shift within me, a transformation in that, like a, a major shift where I just looked at myself in that moment and was able to see that I didn't like myself. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's hard to do that. And people are unwilling to do that because it's so painful to actually realize it is you. Yeah. Because it's an attack on your identity when your identity is bolstered and you're tying your identity to outcomes and performance and this life that you try to make perfect. That takes a lot of energy. takes a lot of effort. And there's a lot of protectionism that goes around protecting your identity. When you realize that your identity ultimately is not determined by what you do, by ultimately your power, it's ultimately determined by who you are on the inside, your soul. I think for me in that moment, I had a soul awakening, a realization that that
0: none of that mattered. I needed to become the best version of me. Yeah. So if you have that realization, what's what, what actions are followed by that realization that actually gets you to start? Because changing is uncomfortable, but it's also really difficult, which is another reason why people don't do it. It's like, you might start changing, but then you immediately just kind of fall back into your old habits. So like, what do you do after the realization?
1: We we often think that our brain needs fixing, but as I said earlier, our mind and soul need healing. Hmm. So where do you go? Well, you start to look at how do I need to change? Yeah. What needs to improve?
0: uh, That's a, that's, that's, what I was almost half expecting you to say and hoping that you would say, honestly, because like, that's one thing I've been, ta- I've been really putting a lot of thought into lately is the quality of the questions that we ask and the r- the real concept behind the idea of interrogating yourself whenever whenever things aren't going how you want them to go or whenever you have these kind of feelings of anxiousness or these feelings of nervousness or, or large bouts of fear or something like that, ignoring it is never the solution. No. Um, And it feels like the only thing and the best thing you can do in that scenario, especially if you are coming against somebody who the most important person in your life, your spouse is telling you like, I will leave if things don't change. And then you're still in under the understanding that you're not doing anything wrong. And it's her. And it's like, then you get this kind of like a, ah, well, actually that for some reason felt like she was right, even though I don't think she's right, but let's play a game. You know, let's pretend she is right what would she be right about? You know, and then you start, you can like, I've, I just found that I've found that the times in my life where I've grown the most or changed the most anyway, have always come after like deep interrogation or introspection and just asking myself the right questions and being willing to answer those questions as honestly as I can. And that
1: goes to the fact that you have to be willing to be honest to yourself And with yourself, and also you have to be willing to look in the mirror and and see it. A lot of times you can't see it. There's blind spots. Yes. So sometimes you actually need to get the opinion of others. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's previous girlfriends that I have the same issues with those girlfriends. Mm -hmm. You know the saying, if everyone has a problem with Bob, Bob's the problem. Yeah, right. And so if those same things, those same patterns keep coming up, then there's something that you have to look at within you and how you need to improve. But yes, the right questions are are key. Like, what's holding me back? Where is this fear coming from? Mm -hmm. Where are these negative thoughts coming from? Where is my hopelessness coming from? Where is this wound coming from, this past issue that keeps coming up in my life that's holding me back? So Mm -hmm. you have to really evaluate that. But again, it's painful to do. So what we often do is... In that separation, again, instead of feeling oneness, we start to feel separate and divided. We fill the hole in our soul. We fill that separation with cheap substitutes to make us feel better, but it's temporary relief, but it doesn't provide restoration. Hmm. So we spend billions of dollars as a species to avoid pain, whether it's painkillers, whether it's drugs and alcohol, whatever it may be, we spend billions of dollars to avoid Pain, because we're trying to cover it with the wrong things. Yeah. You got to expose the wound so it could be healed. And I believe that God literally loves us too much to not let us go through life with cheap substitutes, that he makes us actually feel the pain, yeah. because in the feeling of the pain is how change and transformation happens. So he rips off that band-aid and says, okay, it's time for you to heal. Yeah. And it comes up in many different cases in, in lives. It came up with Bobby Petrino on the back of a motorcycle when, it, when he crashed and he was cheating on his wife and it was exposed on TV. It came up then, it came up with Tiger Woods with a public a public failure. It comes up with, with CEOs where we see public failures. We We see it publicly, but it's happening all the time in people's private lives. Mm-hmm. What you cover will be uncovered eventually. Mm. What you uncover yourself and expose will be covered I believe with grace mm. and and healing for it to happen. And I'm someone who made mistakes early on in my marriage and that came up and I uncovered it mm-hmm. and told my wife and she was hurt and it was painful. Yeah. But in that pain, in that discomfort, a lot of discomfort and her almost leaving me for a second time, yeah. 10 years later, healing came from that yeah. and now we have the best relationship ever. So. Healing happens when we deal with the pain, but so many people are just not willing to go there to look at it, to deal with it because they want to avoid the pain. But man, if you could step into that pain and you can say, my life is all about healing. Mm -hmm. How can I heal this hole in my soul? That will lead to so much growth. I ask people all the time, whether you believe in God or not, do you have a hole in your soul? And everyone says, yes, everyone pretty much would agree that they have a hole in their soul that needs healing. And then I say, well, how do you heal it? And that begins a great conversation.
0: Well, that's the thing is the problem is that you can't, you cannot successfully avoid the pain, right? You're just punting it. You, you, you know, you're, like you, you're you pushing rip, it down the road. Yeah, yeah. You rip the, you have a open wound. It's like, well, you can dump some hydrogen peroxide on it right. and start the healing process, or you can just pretend it's not there and let it be exposed to all the things in life and the dirt and the dust and the grime and the infections. And it's just going to become a worse and worse and worse and worse, and worse wound the longer it sits there untreated right. like you the pain is unavoidable yes. is, is the is the is that's like the 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 the, the misconception is like if i avoid this pain long enough it'll just go away right it's like well that's that's not how wounds work no. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like just physically uh, emotionally impossible and sometimes it's so painful that people would even just give up their life
1: mm. as a result of dealing with the pain and that's the most tragic thing of all because yeah. There's so much hope for you in the future. There's yeah. so much promise for you in the future. If you're listening to this right now and, and you're going through a moment like that, I truly believe the best is yet to come and that through the pain, you'll find a greater purpose. Yeah. Through the pain, you'll find growth and you'll find a better you in the future. Like mm-hmm. Everyone I talked to who went through painful moments, I say are you better now because of it?
0: Yes. Yeah. Did you like going through it? Yeah. No. I was gonna say it's almost like a yes, but unfortunately, yes. Yes. You, know, you don't. You don't even want to give life the satisfaction of dealing you the the you know bad cards to begin with, or whatever happened happened. You know what I mean? It's yes. like you're kind of like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm better for it, I suppose. Just to be clear, I'm not asking for this to happen again, yeah. but like, <laughs> exactly. I am grateful that it happened, that I went through it, and that I that I dealt yeah. with it. I wasn't um, grateful at the time though. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure many people are. It's a, a unique person that can be grateful for the pain. While they're in. in it. the middle of the pain. Yes. Yes, for sure.
1: And I hear people say, well, as I'm going through it, I just tell myself, you know, I'm gonna, I need to be thankful for this right now. I'm like, not really. Yeah, like, when, exactly. I, when I look back, my growth always happened afterwards. My gratitude happened afterwards, but not during, during you're yeah. pissed off. First frustrated, comes growth, then you're, comes gratitude. Yeah, you're angry. <laughs> you're like, you gotta be kidding me.
0: Uh, especially when you feel like you've outgrown certain things and they keep creeping, you know what I mean? Like when, when you feel like you've went through pain with something before and then you repeat the same pattern and it happens again, you're just like, I thought I dealt with this yep. and now it's back, eating at me again. Yep. And, and that to me though is a great
1: sign because anything in my life, when that does happen, I say to myself, it means that you have more healing to do. Hmm. So I am actually very aware of those moments and not thankful for those moments, Sure, but I look at those moments as, as great teachers telling me, okay, you thought you were done with it, but you're clearly right. not. Right. There's still is change that has to happen. There's still growth in you that needs to happen. And there's still healing that needs to take place. And I'm in those moments, I'm actually okay, let's go. Yeah. I'm willing to go there. There's something I need to learn. I have to do more surrendering. I, I gotta trust more. I gotta stop allow myself to feel so separate. My word this past year was whole W
0: H hmm. O L E. Because I want to be more whole in my life. Hmm. Okay. So to get back to the story, because that was a massive rabbit trail, but one I thought was was worthy of pointing out. Um so you are sitting there and you're like I think writing and speaking I think this is kind of the modality that will allow me to express this desire for you know community and to be in the service of others. But you can't just snap your fingers and become a best-selling author, right? Right? So talk to me about the process over the next, you know, decade, two decades that led to where now you're a multiple time, you know, best-selling author yeah. and you speak, you you consult and speak To professional sports teams and you know huge name executives and uh, people that we all know and love and there's John Gordon in the background talking to these people and helping them work through uh, their own like performance blocks and things like that and their own wounds. There's a it's a a long path from where you were realizing that until where you are today. So help us kind of fill in some of those gaps.
1: Yeah, I always believe that what you go through allows you to help others to triumph through their challenges. So whatever we go through helps us help others. Healed people heal others. We often heal, hear hurt people hurt others, but mm-hmm. healed people heal others. So as I've been on a journey of healing, it's allowed me to do this work, but the journey, like, like most, was you know, a very humble beginning in terms of, I just started doing a weekly positive tip. I had a marketing mind. Mm-hmm. I had been in the restaurant business and got a lot of people into my restaurants, and I started an email newsletter one of the first out there with constant contact. Yeah. And sent contact. out a weekly positive tip. A weekly positive tip I had five subscribers my mother, nice. my brother, best friend, from and college. your other two email accounts. <laughs> exactly. And I would collect emails when I would meet people. I eventually got into the restaurant business again, opening up Mo's Southwest Grill in okay. Jacksonville. So what happened was, after my wife threatens to leave, I lose my job. I second mortgage my home, $20,000 in credit cards. And I open up this first most Southwest Grill in Florida, hanging by a thread, almost going back up several more times. It was such a tough time when I look back. Yeah. But it's where my faith was born. So I was literally on my knees all the time, just praying, like asking for help, asking for guidance and asking for money. I was (laughs) Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Show me the money. God, I need some help
0: here. And grace is great, but it it doesn't pay the bill.
1: No, but it was incredible. Like looking back, like, so many things happened, that was that was miraculous, it really was. I made this promise, I said, God, provide for me and my family and I'll do your work. I'll serve others, I'll help others. And one after another, a miracle happened that allowed me to just, to get by, to get by, to get by. Our restaurant made its first profit. Okay. And when it made its first profit, I said, okay, I think I'm now ready to start speaking and writing and getting it out there somehow, some way, I don't know how, but I'm just gonna do it. I'm I'm wiping tables down in my restaurant and I'm a young guy, so no one knows I'm the owner. I started talking to this woman who was the managing partner of New York Life, you know, right near our restaurant. Wow. And I said, you know, I'm a, also a motivational speaker. And uh, she goes, come speak to my company. So I went and spoke to her, to her company. Tried to get out of it, I was so afraid. But I did it. This the talk. first time you ever spoke? Yeah, success is about the little things. Now I had spoken at the Phoenix organization meeting. Okay in meetings, but this was the first time I spoke. I also spoke when I ran for city council.
0: It was like the first
1: real But real like, like engagement, now it was a free engagement, but the real sure. in front of public. Sure. My talk was success is about, is about the little things. And I even talked about energy vampires in that talk, which made its way into the energy bus, but I gave that talk. And afterwards I thought, okay, maybe I can do this. Reached out to all my friends, said, hey, I'd love to give a talk to your company, to your team. I'll do it for free. So I'd meet people in the restaurant. I'd give talks to their companies and organizations for free. Gave talks to my friends' companies or teams. The Jaguars had a sales team. Mackie Weaver was one of the, you know, the, the nephew of the owner. I met him through Moe's and went and spoke to his sales team. Hmm. Didn't get paid, but they were now a client. Right, right. Had him on my website. Yep. Created a website. John Gordon, author, speaker, you yep. know. Had a news section. There were no news. There was no news, but news section. And I was literally beginning from, from scratch, just beginning to build. Had the newsletter, again, 10 subscribers, then 20, then mm-hmm. 50, then 100, then 1,000. So now I'm sending out these newsletters every week, sharing a positive tip, trying to help people with their life. And I wasn't thinking like of a funnel, lead gens. Yeah, I yeah. was adding value. Yep. But I was clueless about how marketing really works because people were reaching out saying, hey, do you give talks? Will you come speak to my organization or do this? So that happened. I got my first gig with Singular Wireless, not even around today. Nice. 500 bucks, gave that talk, and then started giving more and more talks 500 here, 1,000 here. And then I wrote a book, wrote two books actually, and thought I was going to make you know my, my fortune with that, create my success. Got in the Today Show with those books. Wow. But were they pub- through publishers? Through publishers. Okay. I don't talk about those books to this day because they were before the energy bus, but I, I wrote those books and it gave me a little bit of a platform. But after the Today Show, like it went really great, the show, but everything just dried out. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Like everything just collapsed all of a sudden. Like I thought I was going to take off. And everyone said I was because the show went so well. It's like, oh, you're going to be the next Wayne Dyer. You're going to be the next Deepak Chopra, all of that. And everything just dried out. So I'm in the wilderness in my life now, like thinking, all right, I've arrived. I did, I got this books, I got the speaking. I sell the Moes. I sell, eventually opened up three of them, sold them. Now living off that money, because I'm gonna write and speak, but everything's dried up. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking and I'm praying. I'm trying to figure it out. Should I get a job again? What should I do? And the energy bus comes to me during that walk. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that book in three and a half weeks, that book. Wow. Yeah. It was really divine inspiration in a lot of ways. And I knew like, I wasn't meant to really talk about these other books. Energy Bus was more of a business book with self-growth philosophies in a business book. It was a combination of the two. Back then, no one combined the two. It was the first of its kind and bookstores didn't get it. And the publishers didn't get it because no one ever combined a book about a personal life and a business life, which the Energy Bus is about. And It got rejected by over 30 publishers, but eventually John Wally and Sons agreed to publish the book. And that book coming out changed my life because it brought me to business audiences. Jack Del Rio read the book as the coach of the Jaguars, had me come speak to the team, spoke to the team, gave everyone a copy of the book. Next, you know, Mike Smith, who was on that staff, became the head coach of the Falcons, Hmm. Atlanta Falcons. He brought me there eight years in a row to speak to his teams with the Falcons. Wow. Matt Ryan was a rookie quarterback. This is how long ago it was. That's crazy. I do that. I start working with all these coaches and all these teams and then school districts and businesses, you know, and it took off. But before that, I did go on a 28 city tour, paid for by myself, publisher wouldn't pay for it. And I went from city to city sharing the message in the energy bus, trying to get that message out there. Wow! And we had five people, in one city. Ten people, or
0: another, just like at bookstores or like where, like coffee, coffee shops, shops yeah. bookstores, just libraries, wherever you could get some a, public events, some small gatherings, yeah, small people.
1: gatherings. And and I had the newsletter, so we were putting it out there, okay. asking people to invite their friends, and then also radio stations and TV stations. I was getting on local TV shows, but some of the some of the times we didn't have anything planned as I was arriving to a city. Yeah, yeah. And some cities, we had five people. How, how many cities did you say? 28, 28 days. the most people we had were a hundred people in Des Moines, Iowa. Wow. They thought Jeff Gordon was coming. That's why they showed up. <laughs> and so I, I got home and I didn't know what the future held. I really didn't. I'm like, this is not going well. This is not successful. This was, this was a lot of time. Like this was a
0: heavy lift for not heavy that left. much.
1: But you know what was cool? I was in the moment and I was 36 years old and I was just going for it. Yeah. My wife was supporting me. She saw me change. Yeah. So she was supporting me. I had become a person of faith. God had changed my life in a lot of ways. And now I'm literally going around the country just on this tour, just going for it. So even though it was only five people, there were 10 people, I was like, you know what? Your mission is to encourage and inspire as many people as possible one person at a time. Hmm. So make a difference in that one person's life. All right, there's five people here. You can impact these five people one at a time right yeah. now. Travis, I look back, one event had six people. One woman there years later would become the president of Avon. And she brought me to speak to 6,000 people. Wow. Because I met that one person. So that taught me about service, because I remember thinking, okay, John, you said you were gonna make a difference one person at a time. Is it really about you? Yeah, right. Or is it about others?
0: Because this is pretty literally one person at a time.
1: Right, It, it taught me to serve. It taught me humility. It taught me to actually just do the work and show up and do the work. And don't worry about external expectations it took that book five years for it to be a bestseller. Wow, That book was on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list a few weeks ago, 16 years later. It still hits the list quite often, actually, that book. Why? Every day, just showing up, doing the work, being intentional with the mission and vision, and then really living it. And so, anyone starting out or or doing something from the very beginning, I'm a champion of them because I know what that's like. Because people look at me now like, oh, 20 books. 15 bestsellers, sold millions of copies. Yeah, You know, I make several million a year just in speaking, right? I I have, I'm so thankful, but Mm -hmm. I don't forget those beginning moments. And I will always take time for that one person because of what I had to go through and because of what I learned about myself on the journey. If I had immediate success, and I wove this into my book, The Carpenter, if you have immediate success, you never develop the character
0: that allows you to have sustained success. Sure. Dude, well, this this has been an awesome conversation for me, man. I, I wish we had more time. We'll do we'll do a we'll do another. We have to do a part Yeah, we'll do we'll do another. I'm coming back at some to point. Vegas. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like Vegas is the middle of nowhere. So or I'm you're sure. coming to Ponte yeah. Vedra? Uh, exactly. Yeah, and that I'll might be a you know that might be a good idea because I, you know, like I said, my wife and I are actively I looking for, for other other spots. So uh, maybe we'll come check that one out. Uh, but I got one more question for yes. you. Um, I probably asked you this the first time we talked six years ago because um, can't believe this it's been six years. It's it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, and, uh, I've asked this question hundreds and hundreds of times to all the guests on my show <clears throat> who, you know, or what, you know, John, which of those two is the most important asset in life and why it's always who,
1: you know, cause I believe it's, it's your relationships and relationships are everything. We're not meant to go through life separate. We were made for connection made for relational connection with others and who, you know, is so important in your life. Like we're doing this because I know you and you know me. So we're having this conversation. Yeah. Yes, we're talking about what I know, but if we don't have the who, then no one's going to listen to the what and no one's going to actually put you in front of people to share the what. Yeah. So I think who is everything. Who's on your bus? My wife, for instance, You know, her support, her guidance, her strength, you know, marrying the who mm-hmm. made a difference in all the what that we now have. Like I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for the who that I married. So who you surround yourself with, who you let speak into your life, whose voice you're listening to, Yeah, which voice are you listening to? Is it the voice of negativity or positivity? Is it the voice of fear and doubt or the voice of love and courage and confidence? Whatever voice you're listening to will guide your life. So who matters
0: more than I think what? we're on the same page about that. That's for sure. John, where can people go uh, to learn a little bit more about you?
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, by the way. I just, yeah. love talking to you. I think in person's even, uh, even better, you know, always. Like, yeah. Always better. Something about so it. There's, better. there's a connect. Well, there's a connection, right? Yes. There's, there's a
0: oneness. You can't duplicate happens. the energy that comes from it
1: right? for sure. And research shows when there's, when there's a connection, there's actually an entrainment of the heart that our hearts actually get entrained mm. and start beating to the same frequency, Wow, which is pretty wild. Check out heartmath.org for that, yeah. for that research. But to find me, johngordon.com, J-O-N, gordon.com, Instagram, Twitter, at J-O-N Gordon 11. I'm on I'm on uh, LinkedIn and
0: all the other pages as well, and yeah. love hearing from people. Listen, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this right now, and you have not heard of John, which is probably not the case, but if you, if you have not heard of him, go check out some of the stuff that he has uh, going on, and you will 100% grab something from all of the wisdom that he drops on the regular and uh, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. John, thanks again, man. This is awesome. That's That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's Travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you, since I'm sharing my friends with you, is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. And leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.